We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have a very special guest. Um, our boy, Tyler Caffrey, our uh, like good friend from college and also the the producer, like record, like basically created every aspect of the Black Box theme song. Um, so really, really cool to have him on and finally get to hear a little bit about what he does. Um, But just a little overview. So uh, Tyler's a product manager at American Express. um, uh, And he's also just creates his own music completely from scratch, which is just so cool. And you'll get to hear all about his process of doing that and all the hurdles that he's had to um, get through these past couple of years. Um, And also Tyler is just a really cool and i i don't know maybe maybe i would describe tyler um as quirky uh and i know like i know when he's listening to this he's gonna giggle when he hears that word because i think i think it's a pretty fair assessment um tyler just a really cool guy to talk to and we know you're gonna love hearing about it so yep let's do it uh yeah just good vibes thanks tyler again love you and uh good luck with everything let's dive in we're super excited to uh, announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement, and it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. Hey guys, we're really excited to tell you guys about Black Ice, the black owned jewelry business. Uh, owned by Sean Moore, who we've had on the podcast before. And if you just think about it, black box, black ice, it's a match made in heaven. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, jewelry in itself, obviously it's flashy, but you know, on black box, we like to talk more about the investment aspect. Gold jewelry, as well as watches are a physical asset class in their own, which is a bit safer. And if you've seen the markets in the past year or so, stock market and crypto have been down a lot, whereas gold is really good at preserving its value and that's what it's known for yeah i just wanted to mention that i've worked with him before personally to get a gift from my mother that was also a slightly custom piece as well Uh, i have nothing but good things to say about sean he was easy he was flexible the price was fair and you know i met up with him quick and easy transaction and my mom loved the gift and it turned out great yeah so if all of this sounds good to you you could check out his website or his socials um it's black ice nyc but it's black with a v instead of an a and if you're looking for something stock you could find it there but he also does custom goods and he specializes in doing custom things with a quick turnaround uh yeah and also if you're looking for a specific item especially with you know watches sean loves to do sourcing and because he's in the business it's a little bit better pricing than going directly through retail and working with you know the corporations we also think it's a bit better and we talk about that on the pod that you'd be supporting you know an upcoming entrepreneur and a small business instead of going and giving your money to these big corporations anyway yeah so again we're so excited to partner with black ice and be sure to check the description down below for uh hit sean's socials and his website and stay tuned for cool opportunities coming very soon Just don't forget to mention the black box sent you.
All right, Tyler. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, could could we start off by just having you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, my name is Tyler Caffrey. I'm a uh, product manager at Amex, and I'm also a musician, producer, and mixing engineer under the moniker Same Company. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Um, <laughs> I guess Same Company. I think I think we, <laughs> for the most part, we're going to want to talk about Same Company and uh, where, like, how you've brought it to where it is right now but i guess to start off you want to talk a bit about what you do at amex as a product manager yeah so i manage a b2b or business to business product uh, essentially providing a dashboard to merchants that allows them to view their payments and easily process them and then go through the process of reconciliation which is basically balancing the books so my product is basically a yeah, a way to make that easier <laughs> for awesome. people to get paid. And as a product manager, what are you doing in terms of getting involved with that product? Yeah, so I do a lot of different things. Every day is a little bit different. Um, the, the main thing I do is design user flows and coordinate between people. So like, I have to do a lot of coordination between legal teams, compliance teams, um, any other business stakeholders I have, as well as um, I manage a couple POs uh, or product owners who actually run uh, a tech team day to day. So I have to basically get work for them to break down into what are called user stories. And then the user stories are actually developed by the engineers. So I don't write the user stories or get down to that level. What I do is kind of before that, where I go into the discovery, what we want to build next based on user research, um, based on the strategy that we're going for. So my job is really much is very much to champion the user while my director and the people above him are obviously trying to champion the business. So I'm kind of like the, the stakeholder of the user to make sure that any businesses, uh, business decisions aren't compromising the experience. Gotcha. Um, so I do a lot of user design flows, work with the UX team to then get those flows looking like something. Um, and then I work like with uh, through strategy, I work and... Uh, through research, I kind of put together high-level strategies and kind of direction of the product, what to build next, things like that. Okay, so, so you're kind of overlooking it from like a high-level perspective. Yeah. As as close as you can be to still like working directly with the product without being like a director level that isn't really touching the product at all. Right. So anytime anybody needs to be like presented the product or anything like that, that's on me. I like... Gotcha. And for all intents and purposes, like it's completely my product. So all decisions go through me and I basically have to make those requirements and make sure that my requirements are met by the dev team. And you're gotcha. working in like a agile environment? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's relatively agile. It's like kind of, it's as agile as a big company can be, I think, at this point. So do you guys stick to the whole two week sprint, uh, sprints or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty removed from that whole process now um, in this role because I don't manage the day-to-day -day sprint. Um, I do like all the work that comes before that, but the dev the dev POs do work in a in a two week sprint. You prepare like the tickets, and then they'll like put it into that stuff, or you don't even prepare. Tickets. I don't even do that. So I basically prepare the roadmap, and then I make sure that every item on the roadmap is fleshed out, has requirements, has clear user flows, things like that. Gotcha. So that they can come in and break it down into tickets. Gotcha. And then in your previous 
position you were saying you were doing what more of the PO who that you're overlooking product yeah. owner? Yeah. So before I actually managed a tech team and then managed what's called the backlog, which is like all it's the entire log of all the stories you have created, which are intended to be all the features um, and capabilities that your product can do in the future. Um, and then, yeah. And then I managed the delivery. That's a lot more um, delivery focused. So you're thinking about timelines a lot more um, rather than vision. And you're thinking a lot about direct coordination with stakeholders and conversations and like the ongoing blockers to deliver on those um, tickets. So um, I like this job a lot more. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. There's a lot more creative freedom. Um, it's a lot of writing, a lot of presenting and a lot less um, talking to breaking down. It's, it's touching problems from a further, from a further direction um, rather than having to deal with like, the super close tech architecture every day, tech, tech architecture every day. Gotcha. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of like similar? It's a program management in that way where it's more focused on strategy rather than like maybe actual software development. Um, I actually don't, I don't know what a program manager does. So <laughs> um, maybe. Okay. I mean, to be <laughs> honest, I don't, I don't fully know the distinction between product and program managers, but <laughs> That's how it was described to me like a few times. So I think when we spoke with Ziad, we looked it up and it's more that like a product is long living. It's technically forever until you decide that you want to just not have yeah. that product any offered anymore. And a program is like how maybe when I was at my last position or at a lot of other, uh, no, I wouldn't say a lot of other, but you have like a two year program set up and this is by the end, you're going to accomplish this product, which you're just going to manufacture over and over again. And you're not really going to change it unless there's a problem. So then the manager of the program would just manage that timeline. Right. That's, I guess it's actually a lot more similar to my old role where like it wasn't called a program manager, but the product was like so well established that it was mostly just like going through the motions and a lot less actually delivering on like new capabilities for the product. But got you. Gotcha. Yeah. Where do you um, where are you trying to go after this? I guess what's your plan for like the next five years or something? Um, I, <laughs> I don't. I'm, right now, I'm just trying to grow in this role. Honestly, like I don't gotcha. really. I'm still pretty, like I still not totally clear on how to go about developing like, a well fleshed strategy. So I'm kind of working through that um, kind of thing. And then this product is like super new. So I got kind of lucky actually in that it's so new. It's only like a few months into its life cycle. So I can really take it from like pretty much nothing into something hopefully pretty cool over the next two or three years. Um, after that, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to go over to something environmentally, honestly, take these skills and go work for like some kind of environmental tech startup or something like that. Um, because right now, I mean, I just don't really care about credit cards, uh, <laughs> or Amex <laughs> making money yeah, in, makes sense. in the B2B space. So like, I'd like to actually use my things for use what I know and what I can do for something I care about. That seems awesome. Right up your, right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can you, can you tell us, I guess bef before we get into your music, can you tell us a little bit about how living in Phoenix has been? Yeah, dude. Uh, I like Phoenix. Um, so I, I'm from, I lived in New York. I grew up in New York. I like New York too. I grew up in upstate though. So not in the city. Um, everywhere is green. It's pretty. 
Um, and then winters comes along and kind of sucks nuts, but then you get to ski. So that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Phoenix is totally different. Um, the only tree we get here really is like a palm tree. Um, and then like a, a cactus, which they're pretty cool, but you know, they're not like leaves and stuff. Can't so. go sit on a cactus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually tried to like touch the inside of a cactus earlier and then I got so many thorns. So never try to, even if it looks safe, it's not safe. Um, <laughs> no, but Phoenix Was is this cool. today? This was actually yesterday, two days ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it was like, uh, it was like where the flower was going to bloom. Uh, so I was like, oh, there's like no thorns. I wonder what like the inside of a cactus feels like. It was guarded. It was like super guarded. <laughs> <laughs> it's an illusion. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a desert. So it's really cool. Like I do a lot of hiking. So like, it's really cool that wherever you see, like you can actually reach there just like on your feet for the most part, which is like really cool in New York. That's like not possible at all. Cause everything's blocked all the time. Yeah. Um, the terrain here is generally like a lot steeper and bigger and like more extreme. Um, the summer sucks. It's really hot right now. Uh, it's been like 115 degrees for like wow. three weeks already. And it doesn't go um. below hundred at night even. So it's just like really hot all the time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's insane. But yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten me into, yeah, <laughs> it's gotten me into mountain biking too. Cause there's like, I didn't know this when I moved here, but there's like a huge, like, it's like one of the ma main trail systems in the country actually for mountain biking. So I've been doing that recently. Well, I haven't been doing it recently cause it's been hot, but I got into it relatively recently. Gotcha. You enjoying that WRX on the mountain roads? Or not the yeah, mountain roads, I, but... dude, it's so fun. There's so many good, like windy canyons around here. If you go up late at night, like there's no one there. No one gives a shit. If you're up there, just like ripping it, ripping it. Yeah. And it's super fun. I, I haven't been able to do it in a little while because I need new tires and new brakes, but I have, I have the brakes sitting in my shed. I said, put them in, but yeah, it's so fun. The WRX is was was the first thing i the bit first big life purchase I ever got for myself it was super surreal and i love it every day every time i drive awesome. another car for any extended period i get to come back to my car and it's like a, it's like a treat i yeah. forget i forget how powerful <laughs> it is every time i'm like holy shit this thing is fast <laughs> <laughs> all right you know because i i just wanted to bring that up because i see like a lot of your posts on like instagram and stuff and it's all like very like See. Like, I feel like you're always out in nature, so it makes so much sense why you'd want to work in, in, like, an environmental startup at some point. Yeah, I do. I do. I spend most of my time outside when it's not summer. Um, especially, I go up north a lot, which is, like, Sedona um, and Flagstaff area. Sedona's, like, where the red rocks are. It looks like Mars. It's, like, insane. I, it's just, like, <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> it's <just> mind-blowing. <laughs> Got you. All right, I guess I guess now we could we could probably talk about your music since um I feel like that's something that you're definitely very very passionate about. But could you tell us about how you started um started all of this? Like where like what brought you to where you are right now? Yeah, so I've played music as long as I can remember, um to be honest. My grandfather was a guitar player and singer um and was like the music dude at his church. So I did a lot of like stuff with him there. Um, and then my dad was a DJ for a while and he was in the Navy. So I was kind of like, there's like so many pictures of me just like my dad mixing and like at home or in clubs and I'm just like being held by him. So like, I guess like <laughs> it's in my family. Um, and then I started playing trumpet in middle school 
And I, then I started drumming. Uh, my grandfather sent me a drum kit, which my parents hated him for a little while, I think, after that one. Um, but <laughs> You were slamming on the <laughs> I was just banging shit, and it didn't sound like anything. Um, but after a while, it started to sound like something. So uh, I never took lessons for drums, so I'm totally self-taught. But I did take lessons for trumpet. And then um, just, I was in band, and then I was in the marching band, and then I was a section leader in the marching band, and then I was a drum major in the marching band. So I just got my whole high school was like very drum major, drum major. Yeah. So, um, so my band like broke down. So like every section had one or two section leaders who like taught the music, taught the drill, um, corrected things were like the day to day kind of like managers, I guess you could for like a metaphor. Um, mm-hmm. and a drum major was kind of like a director if, to keep the metaphor going. Um, so I would be like, I would then oversee like the entire band, um, with four oh, wow. people. So my band was like 250 people in high school. It was massive. And then we would compete um, at state every state championships. It was really fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Oh, so you were a competitive marching band? We were competitive, yeah. So every year we had like um, a dude who made us drill. And then we picked music and we had, he basically wrote like drill, which is like the visual part of the marching band. And then it aligned it with the music. And then we had to take the whole summer and learn it and then take the fall and basically perfect it to go really sick. so you did you cool. guys win state championships um so my freshman year we won and then we got moved up in a division and then we kind of like fumbled around there for a minute and then my senior year when i was drum major i think we got like third in that new division um so no we didn't win but we got close So pretty impressive yeah pretty fun um, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was definitely something I didn't appreciate like that much when I was actually in high school, but looking back, it was like a lot cooler. Um, but my high school in general was like super, just like musical. Like there was a ton of talent in my area. I was in Kingston, New York. Um, there was just like a ton of musical talent in my area. Um, I was part of the jazz ensemble. That was pretty cool. So I just, I got lucky that I had a lot of like really like talented and skilled musical mentors at that time in my life. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast that they have haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash black box b-l-a-c-k-b-o-x it's time to share your story then in uh in college i kind of couldn't do anything musical for a minute um stopped playing trumpet altogether, which was kind of a bummer i used to be pretty good <laughs> but um i stopped playing trumpet altogether. couldn't have a drum set in college so that kind of sucked um sophomore year though i had cool roommates i had an electric kit um that i bought and i put it in the suite room so that was cool i had drums back for a minute um, and that carried over to junior year two where I had drums um, there. 
And then uh, junior year, I played a lot with um, Brian Crosby, actually. He played bass. So we would jam together. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, we would jam together all the time. And then junior year is when I started, like, producing, I think. Um, trying to remember. Yeah, I think yeah, I remember I c- that because you guys were playing in that one West suite, was it? Yeah. Not? And then you would you would also, like, mix the music together with a few of our f- friends. I mean, you wouldn't you did the mixing yourself for the producing, but you and, what, it was three, four other guys? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so I I know I jammed with Aaron a couple times. I jammed with Jordan a little bit. I think he played guitar. Um, oh, I, I jammed with Pete Duffy. Pete Duffy. We, uh, yeah. we did that um, talent show thing for some fundraiser club. So we we were jamming together for like a couple months for that, just for like that single performance. Um, I don't think we actually wrote any like music though. We just like did covers and stuff, but it was it was like fun. Um, Pete Duffy was like an insanely good guitar player. Like he could shred like nobody else, but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but didn't you also for one of the Pi Lambda Phi or the Greek life, uh, the Theta Phi Alpha Mangin, you went and did the trumpet for oh, the Pi, yeah. Pi Lambda like talent. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I that. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I just I remember that somehow. I hadn't played trumpet for like two years. <laughs> you and stepped up and you that. did well. I mean, we won, right? I think so. I don't remember. I forgot I even did that until you just mentioned it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then, so then you started producing and then, sorry. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, so I got like, uh, I got a MIDI keyboard, um, to start and then just started learning. I have, uh, I got a DAW, which is a digital audio workspace. I think it stands for. Um, it's basically just like the software. Um, a lot of people know like GarageBand or like logic, um, Ableton are all like the popular ones. I chose Reaper because it was cheap and I was in college. So uh, just did a lot of YouTube tutorials, figuring out how to use the interface, figuring out how to get sounds going on my MIDI keyboard and things like that. And then I think I honestly just started just by writing a song. I mean, it was a really shitty song. Um, and at the time I also, <laughs> at the time I also was not comfortable singing at all. Um, so it was purely instrumental and um, I had no conception of sound design. And <laughs> so it was like super rough at the time, but that was kind of just get, got me started. I just Got to start I started fuddling around. Yeah. And learning and um, kind of learning what all the effects are, how to use EQ, um, how to use compressors. I probably didn't really know how to use them at the time. I just kind of learned what they did sort of. Um, but yeah, I kind of just started there. And then after that time, I moved into a house. Um with Aaron and some other people. So Aaron, Aaron and I started writing like a good amount of music together. Cause Aaron's also a guitar player and singer and stuff. So really good. Actually, he's actually like not a great guitar player, but he just like writes great songs. But, um, so I kind of, at that time I could get my acoustic set back in. Um, so that was cool. I, I used my internship money from Hypergiant and bought my first drum kit. That was pretty cool. Um, it's a Mapex Saturn five. It's like, it's beautiful. Um, Got to break that down for us. I don't know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the model. It's Mapex oh. the brand, and Saturn Five is just like the model. It's just like a, I don't. I think it's a maple kit, so it's it's really like bright and kind of like, it's kind of more of a jazzy kit, but it's really nice. Um, awesome. So then I bought that and had that in the house. I had, I paid more rent in that that year. That was senior year now of of school, so that I could have like the big room. Um, the dude 
turned the garage into like a bedroom. So it was like not a bedroom at all. <laughs> it was just like shitty carpet in a massive room. It was like 800 square feet for this room. It was insane. Oh, so it was like <laughs> it was a like, two car garage room. <laughs> yeah. That's it was what? like bigger than my first studio apartment when I moved to Phoenix. <laughs> it was insane. Um, but uh, so I started there. I had my electric kit or my acoustic kit. And that's when I started learning how to record drums started learning about microphones and like the actual audio engineering and production side of stuff rather than just like using everything digitally. Um, so there's a lot of math that you, I learned that I never use anymore um, for like phase relationships and measurements and different recording setups and stuff. Um, recording drums is like by far the hardest thing about like any, like writing any music is just getting drums to sound good, like a live drum. Um, without it sounding like harsh, without sounding harsh or like super far away or like just like bad. Um, it's when you, uh, recording drums, there's like a huge problem with what's called phasing. So basically you have like, you can imagine like a sine wave and then yeah. another sine wave. And when they don't cur- perfectly align, they have a crossover and they cancel each other out so that you get these weird sounds. Uh, if you've ever heard like a phaser and like, I don't know, like a Tame Impala song, like his old stuff, he'd put like a, a phaser, like on the master track. And it just sounds like, like a craziness, yeah. but you get that like unintended effect um, if you record improperly, um, which makes things sound bad. So you get like less power from the drums and then they're not as punchy. And then the more you EQ and compress them, the worse it gets because you're just highlighting those imperfections. So that year is really when I started learning how to record drums and then I started, I was writing more music at the time. I started writing my EP at that, my first EP at that time, which was just like five songs. Um, uh, they, and, and yeah. And then that, at that point COVID hit. So um, things like were haywire for a couple months, but then I moved to Phoenix and in 2020, and then I got a studio space, which was like, it was basically just like an empty room in a warehouse where there's a bunch of other empty rooms. So it was like a 24 seven kind of studio space that I rented out. Um, kept my drum kit in there. And I've at that point got like nicer monitors, got a couple more like nicer mics now um, at that. Cause I had a real job to like spend some money on it now. Um, not that you need to spend a lot of money to get a good sound, but for drums, you kind of do uh, for most other things you don't. Okay. This happens that I pick the most expensive instrument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, that's where I I started like really learning how to mix better um, was when I was there. I still with mixing. So mixing is basically when you have like all the tracks that you recorded and they make you make them sound good. So like if you just heard like recorded tracks from like pretty much any song, it sounds like garbage. Um, it doesn't sound like anything <laughs> for the most part. It doesn't really sound like a song even. So then mm-hmm. you have to like kind of edit all the parts together and then you have to mix it, which is like applying EQ and compression. EQ is like basically um, adjusting gain at each specific frequency. And then compression is basically limiting the dynamic range by lessening the gain of the peaks. So like on a snare, for example, if you compress it, the, the initial hit can get like cut down a couple decibels which makes it sound louder when you can turn the rest up. So it's kind of like normalizing the, the audio coming in. Um, so like if you have like, 
this this may be a little difficult to try and visualize <laughs> with an audio podcast, but if you have like <laughs> like say audio waves that like are bouncing like very tall and and everything, then compressing it what makes them shorter. So what? Yeah, gotcha. essentially, basically you're cutting down the how tall it goes so that when you turn it up, you can you get like more. It, it gets louder, even though you're making it quieter, you're le- limiting the dynamic range so that you can bring out like the stuff that's quieter, which makes it overall gotcha. louder in the end. Yeah. Does it, does that so, also contribute to like a fuller sound? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like, like uncompressed audio, like you wouldn't even recognize it because you're like in music, everything is so stupid compressed now. Like, I guess if you listen to like old tunes, like old Beatles songs or something from like the sixties, things aren't super compressed anymore. And it still sounds like relatively like live, but like all music now is like so heavily compressed. Um, so it makes it sound way louder, way fuller. Um, and then psychologically, um, the human brain recognizes a louder sound is a better sound, even if it's not true. So, so, um, makes things sound better essentially pretty much i've Uh, pretty much only learned the necessary to edit the podcast yeah and i run like you know automated like algorithm uh that do the editing for me so i'm not manually equalizing and compressing but i feel like it's also entirely different when you do it for music compared to like just a long-term audio (laughs) podcast like talking right yeah yeah because you're working with like with with the voice you're working with generally between like 500 and like 5,000 Hertz with, with different frequencies. Yeah. 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 So with a full song, you're working from like 20 to 20,000. So a big part of mixing is actually like in the arrangement really is like getting the sounds to. So, okay. So when I, when I go about writing a song and then mixing it, I'll usually write the song sounds shitty. And then I'll do like sound design. Um, just use like effects, get things sounding cool. And then I'll render everything down so I can't like see those effects anymore, really. Um, just like a single audio file. And then I'll start mixing. And the actual mixing process um, is mostly levels, a little bit of EQ. Like if there's like, say, like competing frequencies. So like a kick drum, for example, sits in the same frequency range as a bass. They're both sitting in like those low frequencies. So they cover each other up. And you have to like use different mixing techniques to make them both audible properly essentially so that's really what mixing is it's just like knowing those relationships and being able to action them yeah okay all right tyler so uh just to try to tie it into the you know not necessarily entrepreneurial aspect of the podcast but the Mm self-improvement in order for you to get to this point i just kind of want the audience to understand what did this take you in terms of the producing and the mixing yeah. It took you years to get to this point right now. What, yeah. Four, five yeah. Years? So I've been, I mean, I've been playing instruments now for, I don't, I don't know, like 15 years. Um, but yeah, the producing now, I think this is, I'm like four years in and only in the past, like, I'd say really realistically, like nine months, am I even putting out like, or making mixes that are good and professional sounding. The thing um, is though, I feel like in another two years, you're going to say the same thing about uh, yeah that's so know, true like, yeah exactly the the ears always going to change the the perspective is always going to change but but yeah so that was so in that year in those years though like so like my senior year of college i really didn't do like any school anymore <laughs> like i did like the the bare yeah. minimum 
So I did a, spent a lot of time in the studio just making music and making a lot of like really shitty songs to just like figure out how to even make music, figure out what works, improve like my taste, my ear, things like that. Because um, most of producing is just like having good taste, in, in my opinion. And then, um, and then mixing, I mean, so I didn't work. I had accepted my job at Amex and then like didn't work for like five months um, for like the whole summer between graduating and starting my job. So like I was in the studio probably like on average, like nine, 10 hours a day during that period. So like that whole period of time was spent all just like learning, experimenting, watching tutorials, writing a lot of shitty music, um, learning new techniques, things like that. So, uh, and then even after that, once I started working, I would still, I would, I work from home. So I would go from my apartment, close my laptop and go to the studio and probably spend like four to six hours a night there. Um, so yeah, so it was like a full-time job, like a second full-time job for like that whole two to three years, um, that I got like serious about it, um, before I started making things that were like good. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I was gonna say for everyone that doesn't know, we've mentioned it, but maybe it didn't connect the dots because it was a while ago. Uh, Tyler was the one who made the black box theme song that you hear every episode. I was just uh, about to say that. <laughs> and it's funny because when he was sending us revisions, as we got closer to the end, he would be making really small tweaks and I couldn't even, I could barely hear a difference, <laughs> but he was like, yo, there's like a huge difference in here. Like, I need you to tell me right now, which one you like better. I need to, I, like not, yeah. I need to remake it now actually. Cause like I heard it like the other day and it sounds horrible. Like, if, you want, if you want to remake it and give us another revision where I feel like we're ripe for an improvement in that because yeah. we, we like to refresh things every once in a while. And it's that one we haven't been able to do yet. So you let yeah. us know. Yeah, I can reproduce it. That'll take me like a day because now I have like... A, Light like, work. Yeah, <laughs> I have like actually like a good studio space now that I have invested money into like trading. Yeah. So like there's not constant echoes and boominess and like I, it's all like accurate now. So I can actually make it a lot better. <laughs> right, that's exciting. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess <clears throat> why uh, same company? Um, so I went, I couldn't come up with anything for like the longest time. Um, so there's no like sentimental value to same company. It was just like two words that thought sounded cool. Um, but I guess like philosophically, I, if I'm going to get like fake deep for a second, because it's like, <laughs> kind of cringe, but, <laughs> um, the yeah, idea is that like, like you can't depend on anyone but yourself. So like, it's, it's kind of the idea of same company is that like you are your own constant companion per se. So you might as well make yourself as cool and interesting to yourself as possible. So like, um, and whatever you're doing, do it like a hundred percent so that like, it's not to gratify other people, but to completely fulfill like your own means in the end is like the kind of like the idea behind it. So like, I like that. Yeah. So like I do. I have, I have like other hobbies too. So like, I really like cooking. Um, I, I work and I like board games a lot. I mountain bike and I hike. And so like, I do, I do a lot, a lot of stuff, but like the idea is that like, that's kind of like how I am. Like I have so many interests, like there's not enough time to even do them all. So like, it's like, but that's like kind of like the philosophy of the whole name in the first place is that you, you should have more going on than just like a couple of things in my opinion. 
Got you. And I, I like that a lot. It's almost like, it's like Tyler LLC. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying, if Tyler was an LLC or yeah, <laughs> that's the equivalent, same company. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay. So I, I know, I know we briefly mentioned that you dropped an EP. Um, what was that experience like? And since you've dropped it, like, have you like been monitoring your like analytics and stuff like that? Like, how did you learn how to deal with that side of music? Yeah. So I haven't learned a lot to be honest. Um, (laughs) so I dropped that EP, um, even though I knew it wasn't, it was just like some, at that point I was just like done with those songs and I needed to just like release them so I could work on new things. Um, I really didn't do any marketing for it as I should have. It was really just to kind of like learn the process of releasing something and how that goes and like what that's like. So essentially the way it works is you, you upload your tracks through a, a distributor. Um, I used what's called DistroKid, Um, and then DistroKid has partnerships with like Spotify, Apple music, what, what YouTube music, whatever. And so they release all the music there, but um, it's a huge process. Cause like there's like Spotify playlists too. Um, so basically you can submit your tracks to Spotify and they have like their playlists. I never listened to them, but they have like their own playlists and curators or whatever. So, but you have to submit like a single, like two to four weeks before like the release date per se. And then you can only do, you can only submit one song per release. So like if you release an entire album, you can only release one song from it. So it's like really playing into like the whole singles culture that's like on the rise right now in music. Um, so yeah. So uh, from the, from the business side, um, I kind of half-assed, half-assed that release, but it was more just like supposed to be a learning experience and see where my mixing was at at the time. Because after you're done mixing, you have to send it to another person um, generally called a mastering Master. engineer. Yeah. To master it. And so they make, they like make it sound like, like ready for everybody, ready. Like they're supposed to normalize it for any kind of sound system and like things of that nature. Um, so I was kind of using it as a gauge of like my mixing skills at the time, which listening now weren't great, but like weren't terrible. Um, but yeah, so I'm coming up with an album now. So re- as soon as I released that, I kind of released it as an excuse to kind of just like start writing new music. Um, so that was like a little over a year ago now, I think that I released it. Um, I have like no social media presence from it. I, if I did look at the analytics, but there's no listens ever. Um, and I think all the listens are my mom, if we're being honest and Mustafa, Mustafa had like a minute where he listened to my music felt pretty good, but, um, um, but yeah, it was kind of just like, I knew it wasn't like necessarily representative of my skills at release time but it was just like i had these songs i thought they were pretty cool and i just wanted to get them out there um as just to see how it goes but at that point i started writing songs for my album which are honestly like a completely different style of music at this point um because i've developed a lot more just spent a lot more time writing stuff um now and mixing and improving my sound design and like synth design and um my vocal abilities. So won't artists also earlier on in their career, you know, like kind of get their footing for what type of music they want to sound like and what sound they want to have. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no idea. So I think it's like really hard for me personally, at least to like make, be like, I want to make this kind of music and then you make it like, 
I think that does work for a lot of people, but for me, it just like, I can't necessarily come out with control. Different. Yeah. I can't control what comes out of me. Like I just like start writing music and hope it's cool and trust my taste at the time. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. So like, I don't, I don't set, I haven't set out to like make a kind of music. I just like make whatever my music is. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, what, what, because of that, it took a long time to <laughs> figure out what that is. <laughs> and I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with Zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools. <laughs> what is the music writing process like? Like, just because yeah. for somebody who, who like isn't fami- isn't as familiar with like all the different things that you need to know to be able to write music, like make creating something out of nothing seems like a pretty daunting task, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it actually never gets not daunting. Every time I open a new project, <laughs> it's still scary. Um, every song starts a little different. Uh, now though, I usually start with a drum beat. Um, I'll make a drum beat, lay on a bass line, and then uh, it's hard to even say how I write music because like by the time the process is done, I don't even remember what the fuck happened. Like I just like have Black a song out. now. Yeah, it's, like a, it's just like... <laughs> It's just like a, like the process takes over, but there's like there's like patterns like at like at that point I'll usually start fiddling with a guitar, fiddling with some like vocal melodies. Maybe I'll do some like background like hums and stuff. Once I get like a cool loop going, that's when it gets actually hard because a song is not a loop; it is a series of sections where you have a chorus and a verse and maybe a bridge and then a pre-chorus maybe. So like being able to like the act of getting like a B section um, took me. So it was like a huge hurdle to overcome. Um, I can do it like consistently now. And I guess like, it's hard to even pinpoint what I do now though, that I wasn't doing before. It's just like, I guess just like experience intuition. Um, but yeah, so the, I guess the process is I generally throw it on a beat, throw it on a baseline, fiddle around until something kind of starts catching me. And then I'll kind of like, like, oh, that's cool. I like that. I'll build it around that idea, then develop that idea as far as I can take it and then um, kind of try to recontextualize it. So like maybe a different version of the same idea, but with like a different drum beat or like a different bass line or something like that. Um, and then maybe you add elements, maybe you take away elements and then you kind of just fiddle around. And a bit, have, yeah. yeah, experiment a bit. Get, that's like the creative part, I guess, is just like trying stuff um <laughs> that's where like the fun part of being of yeah that's that where the actually fun comes part in yeah yeah so uh, i'll usually spend i'll usually get like the framework of a song done in like a couple hours um but like the rest of the work is like where it gets like way more technical and like you add like the details you add like the ear candy you make every, all the transitions smooth like every drum fill i have to like come up with like for the perfect transition um things any kind of bass fills that aren't like looping um any kind of like synth i want to come in anytime like things like that kind of like are kind of like the next couple weeks um i'll spend like a couple hours a day like just making very small tweaks adding things trying ideas um at that i'll kind of like at that time kind of take the time to kind of like take a vision for the song like what i want it to be um because like that first that first chunk of of work is like I don't get to really decide what I make. I can just make it. So like after that, I kind of get to take time, to slow down with it and like figure out what I want it to be. Um, 
figure out how I want it to develop, where the points of tension are, where the ten- points of release are at least intended to be. Um, then once I have like a song that sounds like relatively good, um, uh, I have where it's not mixed yet usually, but it has like all the sound design done. I'll usually re-record everything with all my final ideas. Um, spend a lot of time like making those sure those recordings are good. Then I'll actually like mix it and then I'll throw in the vocals on top of that. Any kind of things like that. Lyrics um, are always hard for me. I'm not a, like a poet. So, um, so they usually just come out. I usually like when I'm just like making the rough sketch, I'll just like put out like whatever words just come to mind. Um, and then sometimes they're cool and sometimes they're stupid, but like what, and then I'll kind of just like build the idea around that. Um, but it kind of cur- usually ends up being like some subconscious thing I've been, that's been like on my mind lately. And then I kind of just like build lyrics around it to kind of like make it sound cool. And lyric- lyrics are hard. Cause like, if you're too explicit with what you're saying, it's like super lame. So you have to be like, kind of like, mysterious and yeah i uh wait were you done yeah i'm good all right i have two questions and then i'm ed you can take the floor um uh, well one of them was how you were talking about you know you could get a loop at first but then creating that b section which i'm assuming is like the next section of the song what whether what type that may be a chorus or a bridge or whatever uh you said that was one of the most challenging things what was the what was the most challenging thing for you getting to this point and feeling like you could produce an entire song and feel comfortable and confident with how it came out? So I think the most challenging thing is giving up on ideas that you used to think were good. Um, actually. So like being able to actually pause and reflect for a second and recognize objectively, whether what you've done up to this point is worth keeping or whether or not you should pivot. Um, I used to have a bad habit of like pigeonholing and just be like, I'm going to make forcing this, it to work, work. Yeah. forcing it to work. But I'm a lot better about that now that like, just like accepting that it's not. And then oftentimes when you kind of light yourself back up and try something new, it, you don't have to necessarily start from scratch, but you just maybe take some elements and build something different over it and see what new thing you come up with. And a lot of times the second round is better. I mean, um, I mean, it makes sense. It's second. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually just did that recently. I was actually, I was working on a song. I started like a few months ago and I really liked like the drums and bass and this guitar line I had over it. But like when I was trying to make it into like a full song, it just like wasn't working. Like the ideas weren't really coming together. Right. So I just took like the bass, the drum beat and started playing some other guitar lines over it. And then like wrote an entire new song around it. That was like nothing similar, but it was just like, just taking that minute to just like step back and just like try something completely new. That's the hardest part. That was the hardest part for me is accepting okay. that you have bad ideas. I feel um, like that that was a good response because a lot of people can apply that even if uh, just not making music to anything. Sometimes yeah. when you're trying to be a creative, you get too fixated on <clears throat> this is my baby and I've already spent a month and a half on creating this. I don't want to go back and I don't want to refix it. I'm going to force it to work and then end up <laughs> not being as good as you thought it was. Yeah, but uh, I did remember my second question, and that was, how long does it take you now to produce or to fully make one song? Yeah, and so I guess the whole EP, or that was a different version of you as a creator. But so, 
I'm going to release an album in a couple of months. It's going to be 10 songs. And I started writing it about a year ago. Um, every song is a little different. Like sometimes they just come out fast and easy. Um, yeah. Some songs you have to more of a labor of love. Um, generally I'll write like the song in like, or at least like the main loop in like a couple hours. Then I'll, then I'll kind of like use the rest of the week while the idea and inspiration is kind of fresh in my mind to kind of build it out into a full song. And then I'll kind of take, usually take a day off day or two off to just like not listen to it at all. Um, which is always hard, but it's like good. So then I can come back with more objectivity and listen to it. Um, luckily now that I've been doing this for like a while, I usually like it when I come back too. Uh, <laughs> um, I used to like make something and then I'd come back like, two days later and I'd be like, what the fuck did I even make it so bad? Like, <laughs> why did I, like what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then after that, I'll start like really developing it, putting in like the small details that you don't necessarily listen to or hear as like a general listener, but like it's actually the things that make the song like worth listening to most of the time. Um, and then uh, I'll usually take like a week. I'll give myself a week to re-record everything. Well, no, then I'll take a week to practice the drum parts, make sure the groove is like really tight, um, get all the fills I want to put in there. Um, I don't really have to practice drums or guitar um, because I just, or, or bass or guitar because this this like not as much nuance <laughs> um so uh yeah and then and then i'll start re-recording stuff and then i will mix stuff so it usually takes about a month to a month and a half i'd say of like like on average three to four hour days for like a complete song start to finish okay yeah. do you do you think that um like the music, like music that comes out now, what do you think of it? And like, I'd imagine it's a lot easier when you have an entire team of people working on a song together, but, yeah. um, what, like, what are your thoughts about today's music compared to like another yeah. period's music? Um, I think today people shit on today's music a lot more than it deserves to be. Um, I think as an artist who does do all the instruments live, does the process end to end, like I own it, every part of it. But at the same time, I recognize that I do that because uh, I want to, um, and not everybody wants to do that and take three years to learn how to mix music. Um, so I think it's my, my biggest problem with the industry really is that it's really hard to tell who actually wrote their music. Like when anybody puts out music, and it's like an artist and you don't even know what they did on their song. It, it like, you know, they might've sung, <laughs> but like, I don't, you don't even know what else they did. So um, it's like, I think that's kind of annoying um, from like a credibility standpoint, I guess. But overall, I think music is like way cooler now than it used to be. Like, I've never been like a huge classic rock fan and like, or even really listened to like a lot of old music because it's, I find the production to be like unlistenable most of the time, to be honest, even if the songwriting is really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th I think overall people shit on the music a lot today. And I mean, it's like one of those things where like now anybody can release music. So like most people think they're a lot better than they are at most things. So they just release whatever. Right. So you get inundated with crap. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the people who like are like really like making shit happen in the music industry are doing things that are like a lot more innovative and a lot like better than music has ever been before. Um, like people like Tyler, the creator, 
uh, Tame Impala, like, like they're like, they're, they're going to be like legends. Like they're today around today and they're going to be known forever. The music's timeless. So like, I think like the really good music today is like, uh, really like the best music has been. Um, I just feel like because you get introduced to so much shit, like the shitty music you hear is like so much shittier than like what you used to hear. Just cause <laughs> it's just out there now. <laughs> I do feel like you can make better music or maybe the quality of really good music has gone up significantly because the technology is there. Yeah. The technology is there. The problem with it though, is that like sometimes music today kind of sounds like samey. Like it's just like, Oh yeah, I've heard this before because even though you haven't, cause it's like everyone's yeah. using the same technology and the same tools and the same everything. So like, it's like, there's not as much character to music sometimes now. Um, especially if you're just like listening to pop music. Um, but yeah. Gotcha. All right. I guess one last, just like, not really random question, but um, what what are your headphones and microphone of choice, or does it depend on the use? Yeah, uh, it does depend on the use. So I can just walk through what I got. So these are just like headphones I've had forever. Um, they're a sure some kind of sure headphone. I don't even remember the model. Um, I do all my mixing in monitors. Um, they are Yamaha HS eights. Um, they're just they're pretty much an industry standard, um, mm-hmm. relatively balanced frequency response. Um, for the mic I'm talking to now is a Shure KSM32. Um, I'll use this sometimes as a mono overhead mic on my drums. Mostly, though, I use it for vocals and to record trumpet. Um, and then I have um, Shure SM52s as my direct mics on each drum. And then I have, what else do I have? Oh, I have Neumann KLM 182, I think. They're very expensive. Uh, they're like <laughs> they're like $1,000 microphones for each one. Um, oh, wow. They're my nicest mics that I invested in. Um, and then I use some Les Paul my dad gave me for guitar. I just have some shitty M-Audio MIDI keyboard. It doesn't really matter. Um, I have an audio interface. That's how you get things from analog to digital um it's a roland something from like 2010 i don't know something old that was cheap and on sale um <laughs> and you then, know which pieces of equipment you can cheap out on and which ones you need to get really high end for right? yeah yeah so microphones you generally want to go good um something like an audio interface you don't really need to go that good um the only thing that's going to differ like it, the adc or um analog to digital converter inside are all yeah. going to be designed the same with all the same electric components. Um, the only thing that might differ is what's called a preamp, which is like at the, at the most, like it'll add like a, like a color. Um, but like no one notices that unless you're like also an audio engineer. And even then, like they just think they're noticing it most of the time. So, um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing to spend money on honestly is software these days. Um, I have tons of plugins, um, fab filter. I use a lot. I use sound toys a lot. Um, I have face plant, which is a synthesizer made by kilo hearts. Um, it's called a modular synthesizer. So it's really cool. That's how I do all my synth sound design. Um, that's mostly actually most of the plugins I use are just those three brands. Um, and then my bass is just like a Fender jazz bass. It's like the most standard bass in the world. (laughs) So, (laughs) Um, yeah, equipment is equipment doesn't really matter. 
um, in music in the music business, especially now when most things are digital or going to be converted to digital. Like the the technique of recording and then the mixing and sound design is way more important than like what's coming in because um, you can just change what goes in now. Where before you couldn't just change what comes in, you're kind of stuck with it. So, but that's what I got. That's all my equipment. Got you. So same company. When can we expect? Uh, when can we expect the the drop? I know you said in a few months, but do you have like a target month or date or anything like that? Yeah. So I am doing the final mix on the last song right now of the album. Um, awesome. And so the album is is kind of cool. It's a. It actually does have like a sort of a story through it um, about a dude who gets possessed by a ghost. The ghost tells him of this, this philosophy that's very anti-society, anti-capitalist. I was feeling very angsty at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the end, the idea is that uh, I kind of come to terms with the fact that I'm still just like listening to, or the, the character is still just listening to like another being telling him what to do rather than taking the, cho- the root of individual thought and recognizing that um, no philosophy is really 100% correct and you should just carve your own path anyway. A very same company esque um, theme, that. so that's kind of uh, that's kind of the story in the album. Um, I have to get it mastered. That'll take a couple weeks. Then I'll start releasing singles. Hopefully in August will be the first single drop, and I'll probably release a single every three to four weeks after that um, until I get to three singles. So that puts me an album drop somewhere around October, I think. Um, awesome. So yeah, October. Awesome. You know, we'll make sure we'll make sure to um, keep all of our followers informed and up to date with all of same company's drops. But um, thank you Any so mark, much, yeah. Tyler. Sweet. For- Thanks, Ahmed. Thanks, John. My bad. Uh, yeah, just send us the links and everything when you're gonna do. The yeah, I will. And we'll, we'll shout it out on our Instagram and everything. Sweet. Thank you, Thanks Tyler. So really appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate it too. Thanks, guys. Uh, you want to send us off, Ahmed? sure thing all right you guys know where to find us at black box podcast no a in the black on instagram and twitter black box podcast with an a in the black on tiktok please uh if you enjoy what you're listening to and if you find it useful in any way don't don't be too shy to leave us a review on the podcast streaming (laughs) platform of your choice But um, again, thank you, Tyler, for a dope episode. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Thanks.